Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome into the Believe in Commanders podcast. I'm your host, Brian Murphy. As always, joined by my guy, A.A. Anthony Armstrong, former Washington wide receiver. Anthony, how are you doing today, sir? I'm good, man. I'm good. We got a special guest in the building, so you know I'm in, I'm in a good mood. I'm excited. That's right. So re- earlier this morning, I was writing down notes for our special guest, and I was I, my first note was, how worried are you about Terry McLaurin not signing? Well, we don't have to worry about that. We're bringing on a guy that everybody knows, J.P. Finley from NBC Sports Washington, co-host of B. Mitch and Finley on 106.7 The Fan, and, of course, the Washington Football Talk podcast. Talk about Terry McLaurin finally signing on the dotted line. Uh, JP, are you like Anthony and I just breathing a sigh of relief? First off, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Um, but, but, but want to jump into it, how big of a deal this Terry McLaurin signing is. It feels like a sigh of relief that we can finally get to training camp without having that cloud among other things hanging over this football team. What's the, what's the feel up there in DC and how excited is everybody to have 17 back in the fold? I think people are really excited, but at least I was never nervous about this one. I always thought it would get done. Um, everybody I talked to said it would get done. Um, I think there is plenty to be upset, uh, unsure, whatever word you want to choose to describe the state of plenty of things surrounding the commander's organization. But Ron Rivera throughout this process said, you know, we just did this with John Allen. We're going to do this with Terry and everything on and off record I heard was the same. I expected this to get done. Frankly, I think it's nice it's done a little early. If you remember, J.A. didn't get done till right before camp opened. Um, I think for all the people that care about, like, quarterbacks and receivers getting together to go throw, don't be shocked if you see some Wentz-Terry videos because I don't know that it will happen, but I know Wentz keeps his offseason home in Indy. I know Terry's parents live in Indy. That wouldn't be a surprise, um, I think, You know, the storyline that should not have existed, the kind of did that Terry hasn't texted with Jahan Dotson yet. Like, one, that's nonsense. Two, that'll go away. They got a month before camp. Like, all those little tertiary nothings that, like, kind of build in these processes get swept away early. I I think this was – I mean, last year, I think getting the John Allen deal made a lot of sense. I think this was a complete no-brainer. You had to do this. um, And I'm glad it's done. And JP, obviously, I agree. It was a no-brainer. You had to get this done. Can't let the Commanders fans just just have that. That would be just so negative. Um, I, I know I have a couple of positives about this deal. What do, what do you see positive about this deal? Let's talk specifically, like the the length of the deal, the three years, seventy-one million. Um, what what, is, what are the positives for that? Um, you know, I, I think they probably that was a way of compromise and i you know it's fresh enough that i haven't been able to talk to all the people i want to but um i bet terry wanted i I know that guarantees were really important in getting this deal done and and the 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 money that you know you're going to get out of it and if you look at some of the other deals around the league they've been four years so i imagine maybe there was hesitation to go to the extreme guarantees if you think there depending what you hear, what you read and what I've heard, I think there's truly like 56 ish million guaranteed on this thing. Right. So if you extrapolate that, if it was a four year deal, that would probably jump up to 75, 
that gets near kind of Cooper Cup money. And maybe the organization just didn't feel comfortable going there. But to compromise, to get this thing done, they're like, listen, let's just do it as a three-year deal. And why is that appealing to Terry? Because it allows him to get to free agency again. And the salary cap's only going to get higher. Or maybe if everything's going great, they get another contract extension done before the 2025 season. So I, the terms of the deal, I know some people are like, whoa, it's a three-year deal. Aren't they usually four? Teams want them to be five sometimes. So I, I think I'm encouraged that the organization saw we got to get this done. If they're hell-bent on X as the guarantee and we know we're not comfortable with that number, what if we give them that number on a shorter time frame and we can reassess? Um, so that, that would be my positive look at it for sure. Yeah, I, I agree with all of that. And a couple other things I thought, number one, if this is a quarterback experience, uh, experiment, you got two years and then you, could, you can have another guy and, you know, hey, let Terry make the decision if he feels like that guy is the quarterback of the future. Does he want to be around for that? So it does, it does also give him a chance to get back into free agency. And if he continues on the same trajectory, I mean, he'll be 28 and still be a really good player that you can lock in and hopefully, you know, have him retire a commander. So I, I like the length of the deal. It, it's, it's different, but whenever you kind of put the different pieces together, I think it makes a lot of sense. Well, and, and to that point, A, you got to keep in mind, he's under contract for the, for the last year of the rookie deal. So he's now under control for four years. Like yeah. it's not a three-year deal. It's a four-year deal, which is an important kind of – and that helps them sell the guarantee because in their mind they're like, all right, well, we just got a four-year deal done for like 60 mil yeah. or whatever he's making this year plus – you know what I mean? And, and I think – I mean, Anthony, you played in the league. I work on contracts. Like all the incentives and all the money you can make is terrific, but tell me what I am definitely going to make. 100%. 100%. Uh, I don't know if fans realize that Terry McLaurin is already 26 years old. I think there was some comparison to A.J. Brown, who's only about to turn 25, I think, tomorrow or the day after tomorrow. Was that a part of this? Was that some of the hesitation for the commanders, if there was any hesitation, um, that his, his deal now is going to take him through his potentially age 30 season? Was that part of what some of the negotiation was? I don't know, but I kind of doubt it. I, I would just add this, that Terry redshirted a year at Ohio State, and there's not a ton of tread on those tires. I mean, even his senior year, he only had 35 catches. It, it, like, you, you talk – and I, I haven't pulled up A.J. Brown's stats from Ole Miss, but, yes, these dudes are younger, um, but I, I think it's the amount of games played and the amount of hits taken kind of matters more. Um, I suppose Terry could lose a step by age 30, um, but I – I don't know. I, I, it, I, more and more, I'm starting to think of a comps for Terry. A lot of people liked the um, um, Blanken. Who's my dude in Seattle that a lot of people comped him to? Um, uh, the Lockett? Curse. Baldwin? Curse? Yeah, Baldwin. Baldwin. Thank you. Okay. Um, and his game kind of held strong. And I think, I think the next step for Terry is to start like having some dominant, like, Damn, he had 14 catches for a buck 60 kind of games and, and posting those with some regularity because he's shown he can certainly be the steady receiver. And I can't imagine sticking to three years was what the team wanted. I Maybe there's some roster planning there because 
the truth about Samuel's deal is they could probably get out of it this year if they want to. I mean, when would Dotson be coming up would be five years from now. Um, so maybe you like if Dotson's going into the fifth year option and Terry's coming up, you can make a decision there, but I, I don't think much of that stuff was part of it. I, I think it was, if I had to guess the player wants a crack, another crack at free agency. Um, and to Anthony's point, look at the quarterbacks he's played with, man. If this Wentz thing goes wrong and then there's a rookie that gets drafted, like they, they may want some wiggle room there too. Absolutely. Well, so, well let, let's flip over now with, with Terry McLaurin in the fold, kind of looking at Carson Wentz, what you've seen so far from OTAs and mini camps. Uh, what does he bring to this team? Is he the real deal? And how much does having a guy like Terry McLaurin and hopefully some of these young playmakers around him make him, uh, you know, the quarterback for this year and, and for the future? What does that look like for Wentz? And what are you expecting from number 11 this year for the commanders? Um, you know, I – I may be perhaps more bullish on Carson than others. Um, you know, fully cognizant that this is his third team in three years and uh, the last two situations have largely ended in kind of dumpster fires. Um, but I think from a football perspective, I my rule of thumb is I'm going to throw 2017 out because I don't think he's that player anymore. Uh, 2017 Carson Wentz was what Josh Allen's doing now before the injuries, before the back injury, the knee injury, the neck. Um, I don't. I think chasing the ghost of 2017 is a really bad idea. I, I think Ron Rivera should never even mention 2017 Carson Wentz again because it's unfair expectations, probably unrealistic expectations. Um, I also throw out 2020 in Philly when he was clearly in the middle of an organizational fight, whether that was his making or not, it was happening. Um, he was throwing picks at a rate that he never had the rest of his career. He was, he was a mess. He was terrible. So if you get rid of the outliers, the good and the bad, what do you have? You roughly have a 4,000 yard passer that completes about 62% of his passes with a 2.2 to one TD INT ratio. So I'll trust the back of the baseball card and say 4,000 yards passing 62% completion percentage, 26 TDs and 12 picks. And, and I think that would be the best quarterback play here since Kirk. I'll take that. I mean, if you explain it, if you explain it that way in the beginning, I think a lot of people would be like, oh, okay. All right. I can see that. Now, I can see that. The problem is could, could the stuff, whatever the stuff is that seems to follow this dude around, could that emerge? Yes. But it, 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 you look at 2019 in Philly and look at 2021 in Indy. The stuff emerged those years. There was – last year in Indy, it ended incredibly poorly, but the numbers were still there. Now, the, the yardage numbers dipped, but I think that was more a result of Jonathan Taylor's run, run game. Yeah. But I don't know. That, that's the way I see it. And if the other stuff pops up, there's a reason they didn't extend them. There's a reason they didn't rework the contract. No. They, they, they've given themselves wiggle room. And if that other stuff pops up again, then I think his – career as a starter as a as a bona fide qb1 is over and then he kind of gets into the like teddy bridgewater mitch trubisky zone man just kind of just floating around just traveling you're trying to stick somewhere um yeah i i've i was a little harsh in the beginning um because it just it wasn't a name that i was expecting you know what i mean you you see that carson Wentz come across you're like 
nah, that can't be right. Um, but I, I've given myself a chance to say, hey, you know what? It is an upgrade at the position. I think the last time we spoke on this, I was like, no, don't do it. But it is an upgrade at the position. And with those stats, if he's if he's able to put up those stats that, that you just that you shared, 4,000, 26, 12, 62 percent completion percentage, I think we win some ball games. I think Washington can win some ball games doing that. Yeah, and you weren't alone in being harsh. I mean, I, I think everybody's initial reaction was pretty harsh. Um, and like, I'm not inventing the numbers. Like, the, the, those are real. Sure. I, yeah. All the other stuff, and dude, like the penchant for awful plays at awful times, like left-handed ints and and you know, shovel passes out of his own end zone, like that kind of stuff is uh, has has been there. Oh yeah, I mean that's that's the stuff that. You, that's the bad taste in your mouth, you know. Yeah, totally. it, that's like that's like my time at the the, the Redskin. Uh, well, sorry, at the park, and we went to get something to eat, and I thought it was mashed potatoes, and I eat it, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, Nah, I must have got a piece of garlic, and then I had another bite, and it was mashed cauliflower. So that's kind of the thing. Like you're like, man, this looks really good, and right. then left-handed interception. So. Totally. I've said, hey, we need better quarterback. Washington needs better quarterback play. Well, and the thing and that makes that makes me excited is that Taylor Heineke got 20 touchdowns, probably left a few more on the field with his limitations. No offense to the guy. Um, but, you know, comparing the two, Carson Wentz, I think we would all three agree, is the better quarterback. So that makes me excited in and of itself that you can only expect those numbers, hopefully, to go up like we've been talking about. Um, so, you know, Terry McLaurin back in the fold, Curtis Samuel, Jahan Dotson, Brian Robinson already added to Antonio Gibson, J.D. McKissick, and eventually Logan Thomas. What can these playmakers do, J.P., for this team? And do you see a, a big boost with some of these new guys, both rookies, uh, you know, the, the rookie receiver and the rookie running back, plus uh, getting Curtis Samuel back? What, what do you expect from some of these playmakers? And maybe are they the best that Wentz has ever played with? Maybe. I, I think a lot of that. Wentz will determine, like, um, I think Brian Robinson's really going to help in the run game. I think uh, there's coaches that grew a little frustrated with Gibson. Not that – I mean, the guy's had back-to-back 1,000-yard from scrimmage seasons and double-digit touchdowns. He's a good player. But, you know, he never became that kind of natural runner that maybe they wanted. Um, just times where the hole's not big, but you got to hit the hole and get the four-yard game. Like, the, the, there's times where – the offense calls for that, and, and maybe they – I think clearly they realize that's not his strength. Um, I also think last year they never thought anybody was going to pick up Peyton Barber when they released him, and, and that was his role. Um, I think Robinson's a, a much sexier Peyton Barber. Um, Samuel, dude, I I want to believe he looks like a really talented guy, but I got to see it. I, I mean, he, granted, it's only minicamp, it's only OTAs, but when I saw him on the sidelines again, I was just like, good God. Uh, Dotson looks like the real deal. I love his hands. Big catch radius for a smaller dude. Reminds me a lot of Terry, but I, I think he's a slot guy. He projects to me as a slot guy. And and I set the baseline at Crowder's rookie year. He had – sadly, I think I remember this off the top of my head. I think it was 62 catches, 604 yards, two touchdowns. So, like, that for me is the the Dotson line. Um because it, and, and it's easy to be like, oh, man, he's going to do way more than that. Well, start adding it up. Like, I, I think we all would probably expect Terry to get to 1,200 yards, 1,250. Um, you know, if we think Carson throwing for 4,000, that's 
3,600 left. You got tight ends. You got wideouts. You got ideally Curtis Samuel. Um, that, that pie gets chopped up. Sure. Yeah, and I, I think the Dotson is going to have – his challenge is going to be going up against press. Totally. Um, and how can he get utilized? I mean, that's, that's, that's one of my biggest – that was my biggest challenge. That's what everybody who has some speed, smaller guy, they're going to get up in your face. So – um, they're gonna make him work and, and earn earn it to get open. I mean, he may get he may get get loose a little early, um, but once teams get a couple of games of tape on you, um, that's gonna be big. And how the how the coordinator can move him around, get guys in different positions, uh, that's gonna be something to pay attention to too. He's a worker, which I really like. Um, and but but to your point, I, it, I've said that minicamp OTAs, he's looked really good. And Wentz has looked to him a lot, especially because Terry's not there and then Samuel's on the sideline. But there's no press man. There's no linebacker rub when he tries to release inside. Like, And a lot of that, he really won't see at an NFL level till week one. Yeah. As much as there's some contact in training camp, like I, I need to see a little bit of that you know, in the pros before I'm – proclaiming a thousand yards or any of that stuff. I, I think he could be really good, but yeah, it. yeah it's going to, it's going to take time real quick. Staying on Jahan Dotson. I, I think going into the draft, I was expecting one of the two Ohio state receivers, obviously Washington moves back. If you had to give the executives Ron Rivera a truth serum, do they really tell you that Jahan Dotson was their wide receiver one? Or is that where he fell with their moves they made? Or do they really like this guy and just nobody knew? Uh, he was two for a lot of them behind Drake London. They like Drake London a lot. Um, he was number two for a lot of them, for okay. sure. Um, so, I mean, I, I think if it's just – and if you compare it to what they could have had at 11 versus what they got with Dotson and everything else at 16, they'd take the Dotson side and run away. But, I, I mean, I can tell you – Multiple members of the coaching staff, he was their number two wide out. And by the time they got to the draft board, I think I think they were very, very happy. They, they were very, very happy to move back. And part they could have moved back further, but they didn't want to risk losing him. Okay. Well, I, as, a, as a, someone who's casual and didn't really know a lot about him, just from the clips I've seen, he's been a lot of fun to watch. And as you mentioned, he kind of – seemed to be Carson Wentz's go-to target in OTAs and mini camps. Maybe some names that we aren't really familiar with, maybe that you've seen at OTA and mini camp. Who are some names that we should potentially be looking for to make a big impact on the 2022 season that we're really not seeing on our radar right now? Um, I thought Effie Obata uh, stood out to me for his, his size and, and his quickness at the line of scrimmage. When they signed him, I was like, oh, of course they just signed another Panther um, but he stood out to me. And, and I think there's like a, a real path to playing time on that defensive line. Um, uh, I'm trying to think. It's been such a busy day with the Terry stuff. Um, I like Percy Butler. I think by Halloween, Percy Butler is on the field a heck of a lot. I think it might take a little while, but I like his quickness. Um, I, I'm really curious – if Benjamin St. Juice is, is healthy and ready to go, he's like so obviously the nickel package most of the time. And I think he'll be on the field most of the time. And then eventually I think 
maybe Butler starts working into that, or if they like Butler on the back end, maybe you can get Cam Curl up closer to the line of scrimmage some more, which is a role they really like for him. And he was really good at as a rookie. Um, offensively, I like Brian Robinson a lot, but he's got, he's got a lot of work in pass pro. If he can figure out pass pro, which a lot of times is a desire thing. And I would think just knowing everybody I've talked to from Bama about him, the desire is there. He's just got to learn kind of the delayed blitzes and different stylistic stuff that happens in the NFL. Um, I think he can play. I also think Logan Thomas I've heard is further ahead in the rehab than kind of is letting on, which is smart because don't set, timelines you can't hit but I think Cole Turner he can't block on an NFL level but half these NFL tight ends don't even block anymore they line up in the slot anyway I think Cole Turner can like if if Cole Turner gets extended time this year I I can see him having like 30 catches which for a fifth round rookie tight end is pretty damn good for sure not bad I mean you get a lot of good to get a lot of impact it's, 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 it's almost cuts two ways where you're getting a lot of impact from your rookies and your, you know, your draft picks. One side, you're like, hey, they're, they're putting in. But then on the other side, you're like, well, they're in the game. So is it a positive to see those guys on the field or is it, would that be a problem that they made it out there? That's a great question. And it's kind of like a chicken and egg, right? Like there may not be a definitive answer. But I, I do think the first four – picks the one through four round rounds one through four I think Ron very strategically drafted for dudes that could play right away um there's not a project amongst them you know what I mean like they they come in and they fill immediate need roles um Mathis they didn't have a space eater like Matt Ioannidis as big as he was is a pass is an interior pass rusher. He's not a guy that wants to eat up blocks and let linebackers make plays. They don't, they didn't have somebody that's into that role. Mathis is into that role. And in turn, maybe that helps Jamin Davis use his speed. And they're only going to have two linebackers on the field. Most of the time, they're going to be fast guys and Holcomb and Davis. Like maybe that was a key piece of this puzzle that didn't exist before. Um, Robinson, like they needed, kind of a banger. They needed a traditional back. Now they've got it. They think, I mean, when you look at the guy physically, he looks ready to go. Um, Butler, I guess maybe is a, is a not quite an immediate hole filler. Um, Dotson's obvious. They needed more talent at the receiver position. Uh, But I, I think that that was done with purpose. Also, they'll tell you because they couldn't spend money because of Wentz after the Wentz acquisition that they had to fill those holes in the draft. I'll tell you that they could have restructured if they were completely sold on the Wentz situation and created plenty more cash, but it doesn't matter now because that's how they they handle it. Uh, A couple of guys. So now that Terry McLaurin is obviously done, that was the the big one. The only other guy maybe with a contract, what's the future look like for him? Deron Payne, what's the latest there? Is he going to be a big part of this rotation or is there a chance that they still move him this summer? I don't see it. I think he plays. I, I kind of draft weekend maybe is when I saw it. But at this point for a coaching staff that has to win, that has clearly kind of positioned themselves in a win now mode, Deron Payne on the field for 17 games has way more value than a fourth rounder next year. And, and that's, I'm not even getting into the compensatory pick ball game, which is a, a third a year from now. Like, they need to win games. Payne helps you win games. I don't think they're going to get him signed. I think all parties kind of know that. Um, but I think Payne's a really good player, and I think he'll play well 
this fall and they need him. And so you say you don't think you're, they're going to get him signed. Is that for this year or a long-term deal or both? He's under contract this year. Like he's, he's on a rookie deal. So okay. that, I don't think there's a long-term deal coming. No. Okay. A couple other guys I wanted to hit on. You already talked about Logan Thomas. Sounds like he might be ahead of schedule. Just curious when we might see him and when we might see Chase Young. If you had to predict, I know it's June 28th right now, when we would first see those two guys in game action. Won't know, but I bet both start camp on the pup. People should be prepared for that, for sure. It's just impossible to guess that stuff. Seeing Chase – Anthony, I almost want to ask you this – Seeing Chase go through workouts without a brace on that knee leads me to believe that he's not even testing lateral stuff yet. You know, I, I haven't had, had uh, any knee issues, thankfully. Um, but one of the big things I've been harping on is you can go through all of this training and know what to do. Like, hey, we're going to you know break on the cones and he can work – these things, but whatever he has to go and actually absorb force from a lineman trying to push on him and he has to react, that's where things get a little, get a little squirrely. So I wouldn't rush him if he didn't have to. I'm not sure what his timeline is, but those are the big things that are going to really matter. I mean, if you get him out there running sprints and, you know, doing some lateral stuff, that's fine when he knows when he stops. But if you don't know when you have to stop and plant, put that foot in the ground, that's mentally he's got to get that confidence back so i say take a little time don't rush it if you don't have to and the, the i keep thinking about like the first bubble screen he knows that tight end's coming down on his legs like yeah what's it's, the reaction there and let's and let's be real let's be frank like people aren't you know like out there going for it but like people know you know they know you had a knee and somebody somebody's gonna throw a cut block at you and it's gonna be that's how they're gonna start the year let's see where you at Ain't nobody being dirty, but that's just how the game's going to be played. So 100%. he's going to have to deal with that all all, all season. I, I mean, I won't be shocked if neither of them are back week one. Um, just think about the math. Chase blew out mm-hmm. his knee the second weekend of November. It used to be a year. That would probably put him at, like, Thanksgiving. Logan blew out his knee the first weekend of December. That would yeah, – they, they don't need to be back that early. That used to mean he probably wouldn't be back this yeah. year. Now, timelines have accelerated, and perhaps, you know, rehabilitation techniques and medical technology have all accelerated, but still blown out knees way less than a year removed. Yeah, yeah. But we were talking on uh, previous episodes that that week 14 by week can kind of can be helpful. You know, it sucks that it's so far down the line, but when you have two guys like, like Logan and Chase, that could be a key week to like, hey, all right, you guys are ready. Let's get you back out there get to finish the last part of the season with, with two guys that it can make a big impact. I mean, imagine if they're in the hunt and then those guys come back. That's what I'm saying. That'd be week 15 or whatever. Yeah. Um, week 15, long way down there. But I mean, I, hell, that's a hell of a situation. Yeah. I mean, I w- it's tough to say expect because I don't know. I'm not a doctor and I'm not those guys, but yeah, I would probably expect it sooner than that. Yeah. I, I won't be surprised at all if, you miss September. You miss part yeah. of yeah. And I mean, I'm just assuming, you know, on the optimist, optimistic side, let's say you are on a, you're on a pretty good run where it's like, Hey, we don't need to bring him back right, right. now. Like don't force it, you know? So if you're in that situation, it makes a lot of sense to try to pump the brakes and, and wait till you get there. But 
let me add, this is real, this is impromptu. If you had to pick, you know, over under on wins, what, what do you, what do you think the schedule plays out to? I think the schedule's favorable. Um, I got him at 10 and seven. I've been saying that for a while. I don't know that it wins the division. I think, uh, I think those boys in Dallas are pretty good. Um, but there hasn't been a repeat winner in the NFC East since 2004 or something. Yeah. I think Beamish was still playing when that happened. Um, <laughs> I think, uh, I, I mean, just look at Jags, Lions, Texans, Falcons, Bears. You should, should win those games. Yeah. Um, the October is, is gets a little squirrely. Yeah, sure. That's five. And then you split in the division gets you to eight. You know, yeah. I, I think they've got some talent. I, I, I weirdly worry more about defensive depth than, than kind of any other part of this team. Like if Chase Young's not out there week one, you start James Smith Williams opposite Montez Sweat, yeah. William Shotgun. Bradley King, Ethio Bata. Is there, I mean, is there any other moves that there's like some free agency stuff out there? You think there's like a guy that they're just waiting to get a little closer to camp to bring in or Brian Kerrigan just bought a house in Ashburn. I did see that. <laughs> I did see that. He didn't use me. I'm not licensed in Virginia. <laughs> so it's all good. I, uh, I, 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 I think people expecting some, it's, it's the middle of June. June, or it's late June. Yeah. They go to camp in a month. I think this is pretty much the team you got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. I mean, there might be a sneaky little workout out there. That's how I got my shot, JP. I had a workout two days. It was like it was like a week before training camp started, and then they were like, "Hey, are you gonna do the conditioning test?" I'm like, "What's what? What conditioning test?" Hey, it's just three three hundred. Yeah, I'm like, I guess <laughs> I passed. Thank God. They, they were going. They would probably would have sent me back home if I would have failed. It's just three three hundred. Yeah, well, not you, but you playing like I had never, I had never ran it. And they were, they were going off the fact that this is Miami, by the way. I was jet lagged as hell. I had flown from Idaho. Long story. I got down there, did the, got there on a Tuesday, worked out on Wednesday. I would run a route, and I would have to take a break because I was so tired, dehydrated, all of that. And then they were like, we like you, but we don't know when we're going to bring you in. And then they brought me in two days uh, ahead of camp. And they're like, all right, come on back. Like, okay, let's do it. And here we are. So, Love it. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I know Anthony wanted to throw a little, a little curveball in here real quick before we, we, we go with, uh, off with you, JP. We saw a pretty egregious list from Coach JB. Uh, what show does he do on, on Netflix or did he do – uh, I can't it was, remember. It was um, uh, last, like last chance you, I think. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Lines. So it, he he ranked his quarterbacks and somehow had Daniel Jones as a top five quarterback. We're not going to rank all the quarterbacks, but we wanted to know maybe your top five uh, quarterbacks in the NFC. A lot of moving around. Russell Wilson's gone out of the the conference. Um, obviously, you still have Aaron Rodgers. Now Carson Wentz is back in the conference. So Anthony thought it would be a, an interesting idea to see where your top five would be at right now on June 28th. Obviously, it can change as the season goes is on. It NFC or overall? Just, yeah, no, NFC. just NFC. Just NFC. Just the guys that the commanders uh, kind of have to deal with. Daniel Jones isn't on there. Um, no. <laughs> top five in the NFC. Okay. Uh, Rodgers, obviously. Sure. Um Brady still. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
If there's some, if there's obvious ones, pointed, I would say Dak. Da- me, not, I had Dak too. I'm not putting people in order here. Dak as well. Sorry, not number two. Um, and then I'll tell you the other. I have those three, and then Stafford and Murray would round out my top five. Yeah, some sort of that's easy combo. Yeah, I'm Rogers, Brady, Stafford, Prescott, Cousins. Murray's there right behind it. I was saying, telling Brian earlier, it's like you kind of go like one, two, three, four, and then it's like – and it's just jumbled up in the middle. I like Kyler more than others maybe. Um, but I, you wonder about his deal. Like is, mm-hmm. is he a leader of men? I, I don't know. I don't know that he isn't, but I don't know. Yeah. Well, also Hopkins out for six weeks. That's going to be a big test for him, you know, to start yeah, he's the season. out most of last year. True. Part of the year, like undefeated. Yeah, um, I, I, I love Kyler. Got Hollywood Brown. That's yeah, right. that that should be helpful because he's got a relationship with. Him. I mean, I love Kyler. He's always won, so I feel like this is probably the first bit of like adversity that he's going yeah. up against. Um, but some of it's self inflicted, like the whole deleting your Instagram. Like you know how lucky we are that Terry McLaurin didn't do any of that stuff. Yeah, right? like we didn't have to deal with like trying to interpret emojis. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just so happy we didn't have to deal with that. Yeah, he's a class. He's a class act. I mean, oh, he, yeah. He's just the pro that, you know, that you want to have on your team, and I'm glad they locked him up. But, JP, I don't want to keep you no longer, man. Yeah. You been up late. You had a long, busy day. News yeah. in D.C. breaking. You, you know this life. No. Oh, yeah. Dude, oh, you, yeah. Put a, you, should, uh, you should try to listen. Um, did you overlap with Compton? I think Will Compton. Yeah. Um, He might've been there like on my way out, or at least when I had like this workout, I had like one random workout um, in 2014. He was definitely there then. I think he was there then. Um, Yeah. So that was my last time to suit up. He has his own podcast now and they had Taylor Heineke on. Yeah. And it was a long interview. And at the end, they kind of talked about the DC media and they talked about it in this way that kind of made me laugh. And then like, as a member of the media, I'm like, man, that's not exactly true. But then I'm like, but I can kind of see how that players think that. And I, I mean, cause you were there for, you know, some years too. Some salacious time. I mean, I can, I can say, I, I, I ain't gonna say no names, but I remember coming in and like, they would, people pointed out a couple people who were like, yeah, watch out when you talk to that one um, because oh, he's going to twist your words. And, like, it was a thing. Um, but, I mean, I was also, like, at the bottom of the roster. Like, anybody talking to me anyway? It's like, I don't, you know. <laughs> um, it, it just, I mean, I always, I didn't, I always appreciated the media because I was like, hey, man, if I do well, they talk good about me. Right. And then, you know, everybody's like, he, he, maybe he is pretty good. Maybe we should keep him around a little bit. So, right. I don't know. Yeah, Y'all are tough up there. Dude, also, I looked up your 2011 stat line. Um, are you For the 10? No, 11. Okay. You had two touchdowns that season. Yeah. On seven catches. Yeah. That's, nice. un- that's nuts. <laughs> Man, it's a, 25% of your catches went for touchdowns. Well, I mean, I was trying to be efficient. One was a game winner in Seattle. One was week one against the Giants. And but so that whole, like, I don't know what happened. After that season, the 2010 season, Mike was like, you're going to be in the top five in the league. And, like, your role's going to increase. 
And I was like, yeah, you know, and that was that lockout year. And I'm, I'm working out. I done bulked up and everything to be ready for like more of an active role in the offense. And we drafted, no, they signed three, they, they drafted three receivers, signed Jabbar Gaffney. I mean, that was like Niles Paul, Leonard Hankerson, Aldrick Robinson, mm-hmm. um, signed Jabbar Gaffney and tried to get Brandon Stokely. And he was like, nah, we got, y'all got too many receivers. And so that's, that's when Santana and those vets couldn't come in right away. Right. So starting out camp, I'm starting at X. The way it finished the season, Jabbar was starting at Z and everything was rolling. And then when Santana came in, I got pushed back. And then, like, I never really got that same role going. So it was a, a quick fall from glory, I think. I don't know. The, the, the touchdown against Seattle, that was almost a big – I don't know. I, I could cuss. Can I cuss on here? Why not? All right, it was a big. Rules. It was a big f- you um, <laughs> to the fact that it, it was more a big f- you because like I think I played like seven plays uh, like that game and like three on offense. So I was highly upset and I was like, this this is pissing me off. And Rex looked at me. He's like, double go. And I'm like, bet, <laughs> bet. <laughs> we gonna make this happen. And so the rest is history. People love Rex, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fun guy. Well, JP, thank you so much. Obviously, JP from NBC Sports Washington, B. Mitch and Finley, and the Washington Football Talk podcast. Big fan of yours. You're, you're always my go-to on Twitter, so it's nice to finally talk to you and get your insight on everything. Appreciate uh, especially, it, especially on a crazy day like today, so get some rest. I think I saw two podcasts come up today with the emergency pilot for Terry, so go get some rest. We appreciate you taking some time for us. Yeah, man, I'm happy to, and I – how nice is it to just talk football for half hour? Yes. Yeah. Yes, we try to ban the you other You guys can stuff. cover the Congress stuff without me. I'm, I'm good. I'm <laughs> no, okay. We're good there, too. So, JP, thanks so much. Hopefully, we can talk to you down the line as the season gets going and um, look forward to following you along the whole way. Absolutely. Thank you, fellas. Thanks, JP. You, JP. Take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.